Hello everybody, welcome to Sweet Talk 2.0 with Honey and Naya. Related to 2.0, we are talking about NXT today because both Naya and I have noticed kind of this weird just way that people are approaching the new NXT that, I don't know, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's just, you know, pissed me off immensely, but I also have a hair trigger temper about a whole bunch of shit, so (laughs) maybe I'm just a little more touchy about it. Honestly, from the first episode of NXT 2.0, it's kind of like, I saw some people kind of complaining about it, and it was like, okay, you guys are just hating on this to hate on it. You haven't given it a chance. So yeah, it's been kind of one of those things that has irritated me a little bit, too. From the first episode, too, that's what got me, is like, because people were bitching about it, like, before it happened. And then when it actually happened and it didn't suck, they were like, oh, well, it's just... You know, it's just the first episode, so it's probably gonna suck next time. And it's like... Right. And it's like... I get that, like... I guess part of, the like, the backlash against it is... Everyone... Also, sorry, everybody, I'm gonna be eating during all this, so there's gonna be gross uh, eating noises. Excuse me, but, um... I guess part of the backlash is because, like... For such a long time, NXT was basically, like, you know... This might sound weird or mean, but it was, like, the indie promotion for WWE. Because it had, like, a lot more of, like, the indie-style wrestling happening, but with... This is something people don't talk about enough. It was, like, this kind of indie-style wrestling, but with WWE production and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people never want to talk about that, but... <laughs> um... And I get that, like, people feel like they're moving away from that, and they are, but that's not a bad thing. In part because, like, it's not like the people, like, well, a lot of those people have gone away, but it's not like that style of wrestling is not something you can find elsewhere. You know what I mean? I think that makes it all the better to not have that, because it then just becomes a carbon copy of everything else that's out there. You know, in entertainment or really in anything but especially in entertainment you want to be doing something different than what other people are doing especially in something that's getting as saturated as wrestling is so i don't see why people see that as a bad thing i'm also just like something that gets me is because you know there are all these rumors coming out dirt sheets and whatnot about how they're kind of wanting to move it towards a more edgy place they're trying to make it more you know tv 14 or whatever um and i'm just like you guys are complaining about this and this is literally exactly what you've always wanted you know what i mean like everyone is always like the attitude era was the best ever it was so cool and all that and it's like okay well they are trying to give you that (laughs) so why are you fighting it so it's and i think part of the problem is because people don't actually want the attitude era style back i think people want the like 20 us like 2016 to 2018 nxt vibe they want that but it's hold on let me gather my thoughts for a second because like i feel like i'm making a really good point here but, like, do you know what I mean? Because, like, they don't want that, like, that edginess. It's, like, uh, the thing that prompted this, 
this idea for this episode was that one lady on uh, Twitter who was talking about how uh, the little spot, you've all seen it, with uh, the women's tag champs and Imperium flirting, uh, you know, talk all that silliness. Uh, I thought it was cute. I thought it was a silly little moment. And I was like, oh, look at them. (laughs) Right. It was pretty, it was pretty harmless. (laughs) It was just, it was a silly little moment where they were like, oh, look how hot we are, you know? And then the guys were like, oh yeah, pretty hot. It was just a silly little, little offhanded thing too. It wasn't like a big, like, moment in the episode it was a silly little they're flirting because people flirt and it's you know they moved on um and it wasn't even like a statement that was made in poor taste like he didn't say anything like out of pocket about their bodies or anything like right. super weird it was just like it was just like they're pretty oh my god they're pretty and it was a funny joke that's literally all it boiled down to was that marcel bartel made a funny joke where he was like, well, maybe America does have some benefits, you know? Like, it was the, it was the stupidest little elbow is friend, you know, yeah. kind of moment. And this one lady on Twitter was like, this is sexist or whatever. I don't even remember the tweet exactly. I just remember being like, dude, you guys would not have lasted in the year 1998. Like... Like, in the actual Attitude Era, where people are constantly wanting to go back to that, they can't even handle a little, like, she's pretty joke. Like, I, like, I lately, in case, actually, in case, uh, dear listeners, you, uh, don't know, I am currently beginning my, uh, campaign to get Ken Shamrock into the 2022 WWE Hall of Fame. Join me with hashtag Ken Shamrock for 2022 WWE Hall of Fame, uh, but he was around from, like, 97 to 99, I want to say, in WWE, which, you know, was peak Attitude Era. He was there right around the same time that DX was forming. And I've been going back and watching a bunch of his stuff and uh, in the process of that, seeing a bunch of, you know, the old DX stuff and, and things like and Sable back in the day when she was, excuse me, still back with Mark Miro. Um... And I'm just like, it's not my favorite era of wrestling, in all honesty. Um, A lot of the humor and stuff like that doesn't really hit with me. But the fact, like, I genuinely believe that it's nothing but, like, nostalgia porn for people. Like, they don't actually want this back. They don't want this vibe back. They don't want this attitude back. They just, like, that's what they grew up with, so they're like, oh, it was obviously so much better, but then they can't handle it in a modern setting. And I'm like, like, either you want the edgy shit or you don't. Because, like, when you want edgy content, you do have to accept that some of it's probably going to be a little bit offensive. Like, and because also, like, but then we have to get into, like, you know, what is offensive? You know what I mean? Because, I mean... If, as far as I know, you identify as female. I identified as female way back in the day. <laughs> and I can't imagine finding this whole... The little moment with Marcel and, and uh, uh, the toxic attraction ladies as offensive. I mean, the only thing that's offensive about it to me is the fact that, like, they expect us to believe that Imperium isn't just super fucking gay. But other than that, <laughs> like... <laughs> 
It was just a silly little moment. Like, what? Like, how do you take offense out of that? But I guess other people have different standards than I do for what constitutes offensive. And that was a really long tangent that just kind of kept going. Sorry. Everyone, I also am consuming just so much malt liquor during the process of this. So Naya's probably going to have to do a little bit to keep us on track. (laughs) Friday night, it's a party. Yes. <laughs> that was a very subdued. <laughs> That's a very quiet, subdued little answer. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. You're getting a different Honey Rogers tonight. <laughs> oh. Old English, sponsor us. I love you so much. But it just, I don't know, back to the point, it does just kind of get to me when people are like, you know, oh, we want this, this, and this out of wrestling. And then they try to give that to people. And they're like, ew, not like that. And it's like, well, what do you actually want? So I was in a space last night, and we were kind of talking about that, how you can't, like, I hate when people say, oh, WWE doesn't listen to fans or they don't listen to fans or whatever, or they didn't give people what they want. You know, that uh, post that goes viral every... Let's ignore all of, like, the first half of 2019. Right. So, like, the point being, like, you can't please everybody because what I... Like, even between me and you, generally we agree on, like, some things, but we also disagree on a lot of stuff in terms of what we think should happen or what we want to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Like... Even something as simple like, you know, we both really like Tim Thatcher. I really wanted to see Tim Thatcher join Imperium. You didn't want to see That's that. That's literally so, exactly what I was about to say. I was right. about to bring so, up. Like, it wouldn't be fair to say, oh my god, Triple H doesn't listen to fans because mm-hmm. he didn't put Tim back in Imperium because that's what I wanted. Versus he does to you, maybe you would think he does listen to fans because he didn't do that, right? Yeah. So it's just like a double-edged sword. They're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. And it it goes in every direction with that. Because there's just some people, no matter what they do, they're not going to be satisfied with it because they have a bias or they have like, they're just dead set on not enjoying something. You know what I mean? And that's it. That's the thing that I was thinking is I was like, because it's a mix of, there are people who just are not going to enjoy it. They have decided. It's like when you're in a bad mood and you have to go someplace and you've decided that you're going to be in a bad mood. Exactly. But there's also a lot of people who I truly do not believe know what they want. <laughs> like, like, like you said, like you and me very much disagreed on what we thought Tim Thatcher should do. I thought he should stick with Tommaso you thought he should join Imperium and there's also like I do need fans to like understand that like nobody is wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah there's you know? no right or wrong like we've talked about objectivity a lot before and subjectivity I think that's a word <laughs> but like what you want and what you feel would be the best choice for a wrestler a promotion what have you will not always be what is actually the best choice. Like, like it, like whether I like it or not in my ideal world, Becky Lynch would have never gotten to the point where she's at. 
You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that that's what was best for everyone. Right. Like, say what you want about uh, Charlotte having as many title reigns as she, because people are throwing fits about that left and right. As they always are. But, you know, like, say what you want about, you know, whether or not you like Charlotte, whether or not you like her booking, whether or not you like, you know, her amount of title reigns. That doesn't mean that just because you don't like it, it's not going to be best for the most people. And like, you know what the perfect example of that is? Not to cut you off, but the perfect example of that is Roman Reigns. Like, let's yeah. say WWE did listen to all those people who were booing him in 2016, 2017, and they were like, okay, this is clearly not our guy. People don't like him, et cetera. You know, then we'd be in a world of hurt because honestly, he's been carrying the company and carrying the business since then. And then on top of that, there's like another side of things that we don't necessarily see, like merch sales and ticket sales. And not that those things should matter to us as fans because they 1000% shouldn't. But just from the perspective of like, like you said, just because it's not something you like doesn't mean it's not the right course of action. I mean, because just because people didn't like Roman Reigns didn't mean that it was best for the company for them to not push him because clearly that was the right idea all along. Let's, I mean, let's, going from that, let's use an NXT example. I know a lot of people were like, why would they put the belt on Tommaso Ciampa Mm -hmm. for the new era of NXT? And I'm like, well, look at what he's been doing with Braun Breaker. Look at what he's said. He said he wants to work with um, Solo. You know what I mean? Like, he wants Mm -hmm. to work with these young people because he sees so much potential in them and he wants to build them up because he knows that that's his place in the company. It's being, number one, the best, and number two, building up other people so that when he is ready to stop, there are more people who are ready to be in that space. But a bunch of people were like, why? You know, he's already been NXT champion. He's already, you know, he's, I mean, people talk about how he's old, and I'm like, he's 36. Like... <laughs> So he's not actually? <laughs> Which I want to point out, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have definitely toned back on complaining about him being champ because I think we talked about it the night that he won the title. And when you said that, I was like, you know what? That makes sense. And then I think someone else that I talked to frequently said the same thing. And they were like, you know, well, it doesn't seem like he's going to be champion for like the next year. He's probably going to be putting over somebody like Carmelo or like Ron yeah. Breaker. So it, it really isn't, like, that big of a deal. And yeah. I was like, you know what, that makes a lot of sense, and you're right. And so it's kind of like, let's take a step back and watch this play out instead of just being angry and upset. You know, I mean, I think there is room to be upset sometimes when the person you want to win doesn't win. Mm. Um but, yes. like, at the oh same time, God. there's a certain level of being logical about it and kind of, like, seeing the bigger picture. Let's talk about that for a second, because this is not NXT-specific. This happens literally everywhere. Y'all, it's okay to be mad or upset when somebody that you like doesn't win. Like, I was upset when Tim and Tommaso didn't win the, the Dusty Classic. You know what I mean? Like, I was upset. That's what I wanted to happen. But that doesn't mean that the actual outcome was bad. <laughs> like, right. I, I don't know how everybody got into their heads that, like, you know, just because you don't like the outcome, that means the outcome was bad. Like, okay, here's a good one. 
not NXT related, but, um, you know, way back in the before times of 2019, (laughs) Buddy Murphy and Roman Reigns had a fucking all-time match on SmackDown, and Buddy Murphy lost. And obviously, me being a giant fan of Buddy Murphy, I would have wanted him to win. But that doesn't mean that that was the best choice for the time. And the fact that, like, the match was, again, an all-time match makes me less mad that he didn't win. I'm like, if you are getting... Like, it's one thing if it's, like, your favorite wrestler is Sonny Kiss and he's getting squashed in 26 seconds by Kenny Omega. That's different. That's a different situation that has its own way to approach it emotionally. You know what I mean? But if you are getting genuinely good content, genuinely good matches, does the outcome matter as much? And should you be as mad about it? Because I think the thing, like, that gets me is I feel like people forget that wrestling is a story sport. That's why we watch this thing where we know that the, the outcome is predetermined. We know that. So why do we sit here and watch it? Because it's not about who wins and loses. It's about mm-hmm. the story that they're telling. And so I think if you can sit back and, like, see the bigger picture thing of why this happened. Unless, of course, it's an instance, like, it makes absolutely no sense to do it that way. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like, they're just screwing that person over. Like, like for when, example, Kofi Becky, losing the title to Brock the way he did. That just yeah. didn't need to happen the way that it did. I was going to um, say Becky and Bianca. But, yeah. Or Becky and Bianca. Um, mm, there seems like but, there's like, a connection there. <laughs> Tune into the next episode. Yeah. Right. Talk about that. Um, but yeah, like it's like you can Hooey! like take a, you can take a step back and think about the fact that maybe like I don't know how to say words, but like <laughs> <laughs> I won't it give me another uh 15 ounces and I won't either. <laughs> I think the point I'm trying to make is like, it's okay to, like I said, it's okay to be upset and when like, the person you want to win doesn't win. But at the same time, there is a certain level of being logical about things and seeing the bigger picture and, and letting yourself be the audience to the story instead of trying to construct the narrative, but, you know, and out overthink it. But even beyond that, it's good that you're upset. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's good that so many people were upset when Bianca lost to Becky at SummerSlam. Right. That's good. It means that they're means doing it... their job. It yes. Means you care. They're doing their job. They're making it so that you give a shit. You, like, that is the entire goal. Like, to bring it back to NXT, when I... In 2019, I went to the TakeOver before WrestleMania. I went to TakeOver Brooklyn. And in that TakeOver, it had the very, very well-known Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, two out of three falls match. And by that time, I wasn't quite as embroiled in NXT as I am now, but I still loved it, and I still love Johnny Gargano in particular. So... When Johnny Gargano won, I I was a wreck. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that means that they have done their job. That means that they Mm -hmm. have... If they are getting that emotional reaction out of you, whether it's positive or negative, that means that they've done their job. That means that they have 
done the thing they're supposed to do. You're supposed to be emotionally connected to these people. You're supposed to be... I mean, you're supposed Something... to... Sorry. Something I was going to say you're supposed to reference... care. Yes, you're supposed to care. Like, that's the entire purpose. That's the reason they're out there doing this. And, like, something that my coach, my wrestling coach always says, if you don't know, I'm training to be a wrestler. And something my coach always tells us is, like, the winner isn't always the person who won the match. The winner is the person who left the building on the fans' minds. Like, Like, take it to that Buddy Murphy match. Like, yes. Do you even remember that? Like, obviously, we know he lost the match, but, like, people don't talk about the fact that he lost the match anymore. Two years later, we talk about the fact that it was a really good match. They talk about That's the fact what's that important. Buddy Murphy, who only got into this because he had was walking in a hallway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he only got into right. that story Lived because completely he was on accident. walking in a fucking hallway and people saw him and they were like, ooh. And they decided to to cash in on that and and it was amazing i mean the fact that he was able to do that that he had that match with roman and then like the next week had a match with daniel bryan and beat him daniel bryan bryan danielson that dude (laughs) like the fact that he did that and beat him i swear to god is one of the reasons why his one of his first matches outside of WWE was with fucking Okada. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, no matter if you win or lose, if you made an impression on people, you came out of that as a success. Right. Like that's the like that's the I'm sorry guys, I'm very passionate about Buddy Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that man. So tying that back to NXT 2.0, like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we are gonna get like I said, we're gonna get a little distracted. Oh, we- drinking one of these forty ounces is like drinking five cocktails. So I'm super curious about what I'm gonna be saying in like fifteen minutes. <laughs> also, just want to say I am I'm watching SmackDown. I haven't muted. But um, oh, shit, yeah. Jay Uso is on my screen, so I'm kind of discombobulated. Yeah. <laughs> do, do I need to like pull up a picture of Tim or something, or Kenny to like <laughs> even out our brainwaves? Other, right, it's a good to... thing though because he ch- he changed shirts. He was wearing a white shirt earlier when they posted a video on Twitter, and he changed. So I'm not that Lord. all over the place. He's wearing black. Oh, because he's not wearing white. <laughs> yeah. Next time, you know, you and me are gonna have to have you. You and me are gonna have to have, do an episode that's uh, just about like ranking the hottest. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. There we go. There's there's our other episode. Yes, we got it. Oh, and I'm gonna be out of it by. <laughs> <laughs> Another 15 ounces in and I become Jim Cornette. Everyone get ready for that. Either way, you were tying it back to NXT and NXT 2.0. I think I mentioned earlier, like, the first day of NXT 2.0, I saw, like, a couple different posts from specific people who were saying, like, you know, they were just straight up saying it wasn't good because they were like, oh, my God, because Adam Cole isn't there. You guys thought it was going to be so much better without him, and now look at what that was. And I'm like... 
everyone just enjoyed that though you know <laughs> right? um, so what are you talking about and also too like to not say that like adam cole was the problem i think that people kind of misunderstood what the critique was with that like i think that i wouldn't say johnny tomaso and adam were what made nxt bad before um, I think they were just indicative of an overall issue that the brand was having in terms of like, it just felt really stale and repetitive. At least that's how it felt for me. And it got to a point where I just completely stopped watching, even for people that I really enjoyed, like Pete Dunne and Tim. It just, it became and the hard women. to watch. And the women. And I felt like, I really genuinely felt like NXT consistently is pretty good about their women's division compared to other brands on <laughs> WWE and other companies. <laughs> yeah, like, seriously, though, like, I'm when sorry, they were going head-to-head on Wednesdays, <laughs> when they were going head-to-head on Wednesdays, I was like, look, like, the other, sh- like, this show, they've had four women's segments. You know, they've had matches and like watching one episode of AEW, they had one women's match and maybe two women's segments over the course of the entire two hours. They have the same amount of time and they're not doing the same things with their women. And so that was something I really liked about NXT, but it wasn't even enough to keep me going because just the overall mm -hmm. booking of the show just kind of wasn't enjoyable. See, I, I actually, maybe this is just me, but, um, that period of time where, like, and please do not take this as an endorsement of this person. I'm using it because he was a hallmark of this era. When Velveteen Dream was getting pushed, which I feel is the era when people were talking about NXT really going downhill, I don't get that. Because that was when Wait, I was like, which push, though? <laughs> Like, was it post or pre-allegations? Both. Because <laughs> hmm. Post-allegations, like, I can kind of understand. Pre-allegations, that makes absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> I just, and again, I'm not using this. I'm not using Velveteen Dream as, like, the standard of that. I'm using him because, like, I feel like he is a good, like, um, timestamp, almost. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember him having... He had a match to take over with Tommaso... That was fucking monstrously good. Um, again, fuck that dude for doing the shit he did. Like, how do you have that much talent? And dude, you're just like, ah, I'm just gonna John throw it Cena in the trash can. I'm sorry, like, you want to talk about people who just threw their fucking career away? That shit pisses me off because he had so much potential. The most potential in level? NXT genuinely john cena like the john cena endorsed him and and so many people were into him a lot of people liked him even they like did the thing where they were like showing people to non-wrestling fans and he was one of the main ones that stuck out to people and you want to talk about the current era of nxt i can't think of a person who would fit in and lead that better than he could be right now but he was like been a piece of shit but he was like "Mm hmm I know what I'm going to do with my free time. And it was a <laughs> right. terrible fucking idea. <laughs> but either way. But I also, um, one of the things that I see people use is, is again, a timestamp. Because we're kind of talking about a timeline here of when people thought NXT was the best, when they thought NXT fell downhill, all that. Um, 
one of the things I see people using as a timestamp of when things started to go wrong um, was one final beat. Um, viewers, in case you do not know, one final beat is uh, the last singles match between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. Um, and Tommaso actually recently talked about this uh, in an interview. He said that like he was... I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he said he was kind of, like, disappointed with the match because, uh, it was, like, NXT's first, like, cinematic match, you know what I mean? But it was taped before the Boneyard match, but it was aired after the Boneyard match. So he kind of felt that, like, they didn't do the cinematic aspect justice, coming after that which I mean would have been impossible for just yeah. about anybody you know what I mean because the Boneyard match was just so stupidly good but I see a lot of people being like this is when NXT kind of like took that that uh that downturn which I don't get because let me actually look up when exactly that was because that was after Mania it had to have been right um, let me see. NXT TakeOver 1. Why does it come up on IMDb? Like, uh, April 9th, 2020. Uh, is not the exact date. Okay, wait, here it is. Is it? That would have been a week-ish after WrestleMania. Wait, that can't be right. Wait. Hold on. Wait. Okay, so it was, I guess, kind of in the summer of 2020. Um, it wasn't quite after WrestleMania. It was after WrestleMania, but it wasn't, like, immediately after. Because um, it was the, the In Your House, and it had... Um, it was the one with Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream in the backlot brawl, which was awesome. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it... I see people kind of talking about one final beat as that moment where NXT started to take a turn, which actually, I feel like people don't appreciate enough, maybe that's the wrong word, how much of an impact the pandemic had on NXT. Um, but even then, like, going into, like, the summer of 2020 when they were, you know, stuck in the empty PC and all that. Like, and this is, this is bias speaking. I'm pretty sure that's about the time when they introduced him. So, I'm like, No, what? it was before then, because was he it, was doing the You're right, because um, it was... Matt Riddle. Actually, you know, I lied. You're right. It's about, that was about the time, because Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle were a tag team, and they were, they just won the Dusty Cup. Hold on, I'm um, fact-checking myself. I'm happy my... <laughs> They'd won the tag titles. That's what happened. Alameda, Pete and Cameron. Matt Riddle did. And uh, then Pete obviously got stuck in the UK because of the pandemic. So then they had Tim fill in for their, like, first title defense. So it was Pete and Matt. I it mean, was April 15th. He was introduced on April 15th. But it was around April of 2020 when I saw people being like, ugh, NXT. You know what I mean? So it was around um, that time. I don't know how to... So... I would say for me, the t a timeline I've seen, which it's kind of hard to actually place this because this is more in hindsight and people kind of have a tendency to like revise history. Oh, yes, but, they do. Um, from what I've seen people saying lately, people tend to 
seem to think it's when NXT moved to TV. Um, that was which I think is debatable. But I think for me, what kind of was falling short was like, it seemed like, um, I was going to say something about Bianca Belair, and I totally just blanked <laughs> on what it was. Um, oh, yeah, I remember. It was because, like, Shayna was champ, and then I want to say, like, Adam Cole was champ. Yeah. Or he just won the title. One of the well, because I was going to say, the first, that injury, right? the first uh, TV episode of, if I'm not mistaken, the first TV episode of NXT featured Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle for the NXT title. And I actually tuned in for that shit because I was like, hey, <laughs> that's going to be real good. So, yes, I do believe Adam Cole was champ at that time. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just like it, a lot of the booking just kind of seemed directionless. But I know, especially like people were really tired of Shayna at that point. Mm. Um, and then the person they brought in was Rhea, which was kind of a little bit bittersweet because people... From what I remember, and I might be biased here, people were really big on Bianca Belair. She had oh. her uh, undefeated streak. She had kind of had a little bit of a back and forth with Shayna, and people were really expecting her to be the one to take the title off of Shayna. Well, and then she didn't. Lost her undefeated streak to Shayna, and then they brought in Rhea, and then well, Bianca lost to her too. Taking that uh, back to the takeover that I went to, that was the one that had the fatal four-way between Shayna, Bianca, Io, and uh, Kyrie. Um, and I, I remember people wanting Bianca to win there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at that was, the show. Mind you, that was that was after she'd already lost to Shayna once. But yeah, she I mean, had a one-on-one match with her. She lost that. Then she lost again in the fourth way. People really wanted her to win that match because yeah. it was like, okay, maybe she'll pick it up here, so Shayna doesn't have to get pinned or whatever. She lost there, and she. She didn't take the pin, but, like, Shayna choked her out or something like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then, like I said, again, they after Rhea won the title from Shayna, which kind of felt like a little bit of a slap in the face, because, like, why the fuck can you just put it on Bianca if you felt like it was time to take the title off of her? <laughs> and then um, I think what didn't help was that Bianca was in the Royal Rumble, and she had that amazing showcase there. And so people were even more big on her. And then after that, it was the Rhea match. She lost that, too. And then Charlotte, of course, challenges Rhea for WrestleMania. And then people wanted Bianca to be added to that match, and they didn't do it. I'm sorry. Can I just say, and I don't... I My feelings about Charlotte are complicated at this point in time. But that WrestleMania match with her and Rhea was such a waste of fucking time. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. No one, you cannot sell me on that match. I can go back and watch matches and be like, okay, I need to, you know, take a second look at this. You cannot sell me on that because I'm like, there, like, there is no excuse for any of this shit. Like, I'm sorry. It was awful. (laughs) It was just bad. I'll say this. I'll say this as a Charlotte fan that... I will defend most of Charlotte's title wins. Um, so will I. But that is one that I can't really defend because I think maybe they had the idea that she would be the boost that NXT needed and she just didn't she just wasn't. Like she just didn't I don't I don't know I don't know how to say this without like feeling like I'm disrespecting her, but like she kinda just 
wasn't that person that they thought she was going to be in terms of elevating the women's division in Mm -hmm. NXT at that point in time and then like bringing more eyes to the show Mm -hmm. um especially with like Becky having just left and then Bailey and Sasha were like killing it on Mm -hmm. Raw and Smackdown at that time um and so I think they maybe expected something out of that and it didn't happen and so it just kind of ended up being really 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 pointless in hindsight when you think about it the one match that Sasha had with Io did more for the women's division in NXT than right. Charlotte's entire like, reign did. That was one of the first times that I believe NXT either, either either hit a million viewers or got close to a million viewers. Since and for good reason, because that match was ridiculous. It was an insanely good match. Sasha Banks, everyone loves Sasha Banks. And then she, her and Bailey were just doing such amazing work. Like, of course, yeah. you're going to tune in to see what she's going to do. But it also, it also, and it was featured, a dream match. And it also featured Asuka. And people love Asuka. Mm-hmm. People so, love Asuka. As they should. Asuka, please come back soon. I miss you so much, you beautiful lady who kicks people. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's another example of like kind of where things were just like kind of starting to go downhill with NXT. That was kind of like <sighs> taking the wrong direction for it. And I will say um, part of the issue with NXT has always been that like there have been many times where it has been excellent ac- excuse me, across the board. You know? You know, like I'd say <gasps> excuse me, gosh, sorry. Um 2018-ish I, I'll say uh, 2017 that point where it was like uh, Tommaso and Alistair and, and Nikki Cross getting all up in there uh, Johnny Gargano's first heel turn I'd say it was around that period where things were pretty much good across the board yeah, I think that was, that was also like really when spot. I think that was also when Shayna was champion, but people weren't tired of it yet because they were like, ooh, danger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so there have been a lot of times where NXT has been good across the board, but there have also been times where, let's say it's been lacking in the women's division, but the tag team division, the you know North American title has all been fantastic. So yeah, it's I think difficult. the North American title scene is pretty. I'd say it's like consistently been strong yeah, since that title's been introduced. It's, I I would have a hard time thinking of a point where the where the North American title hasn't been doing pretty good. Because like I think of like you know, uh, obviously Carmelo now being champion, uh, uh, Damian Priest was an excellent North American champion. So, like, it's just, it's been pretty, and, uh, what, Adam Cole was the first, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like it, if I remember correctly. Like, it's been pretty consistent, and the matches for it are almost always just very, very enjoyable, watchable matches. Um, so there's always something in NXT that's going very, very right. <laughs> and then... You know, you get these periods where there's something in NXT that's going very, very wrong. And I think the reason why people are like will be like, it's had a downturn is because the things that go wrong tend to be the things in the spotlight. Like the women's division. Yeah. Or even like the actual the NXT title. Although, I do feel like it's weird. Because people constantly 
I mean, I don't know about you, I see pretty much nothing but praise for Adam Cole in NXT, which is accurate. He was a god. Um, But, um, people will complain at the same time about when he was having his historic NXT title reign. Um, but then they'll complain and they'll be like, oh, it was all awful, it was all terrible, nothing good was happening. I'm like, do you guys remember that, though? Like, actually? Or, like, is something clouding your mind? Because I greatly enjoyed Adam Cole's NXT title reign. I think it went on, actually, as long as it should have. (laughs) Yeah, I think it ended right when it needed to. And, like, also Adam Cole... I don't want to. I don't want to make this comparison because I don't want to sound like I'm comparing these two wrestlers. But it was reminiscent of like Roman Reigns' current run in terms of it was so good that it wasn't bothersome that it was as long as it was. Or even like Bailey's run. Yeah, Bailey was the longest reigning women's SmackDown champion, um, and it at no point did it feel like, oh my god, I'm ready for this to be over because she was just so entertaining and so good at every point of it that it was fine that it was continuing to go on and even like if it had gone on like it ended right when it needed to i believe but like even if it had gone on for another month or so then it 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 could have been fine because she's just so good at what she does and i think roman's in that place right now and i feel like adam cole's reign was similar like i almost didn't even realize it was as long as it was because (laughs) there was no point like where i was like oh my god i'm ready for him to just drop the title already you know um when well, it was time for him to drop the title, I was a little disappointed who he dropped it to. Wait, who did he lose the title to? Wasn't it Finn? Karrion Cross. It was, was it? Finn. I lied. So it, it was wasn't Finn, Finn dropped the title, and then Finn dropped say. it to. Wait, did Finn drop? Wait. wait, hold on. We're wrong. So wait, did he drop We're, it to Keith Lee? Are. Wait, hold on. I am. I'm no, gonna no, have no, sorry. No, no. Sorry, guys. I'm about to fact We're check missing- this. We're missing a big gap here. Because yeah, hold on. Keith Lee was champ at a certain point. When did that happen? Cross beat Keith Lee. Cross beat Keith Lee. So who did Keith beat? Who did Keith Lee beat? Hold on. Wait. Hold on. Wait. List of NXT champions. Hold on. I'm on the Wikipedia, guys. Hello, Tommaso. You look beautiful. Um, Drew McIntyre, Andre, Andre vacated. Adam Cole. No, Adam lost it to Keith. Okay. Adam lost it to Keith at the Great American Bash. It was a winner-takes-all match. That's what I thought it was, but I wasn't sure. Right, they, Adam yeah, lost it to Keith. Keith lost it to Cross. Cross, Cross. that's what was wrong. Cross, okay. Cross vacated, right. and then there was the fatal four-way between Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and Finn Balor. Right. Okay, yes. And then it went to Finn Balor and Adam Cole. Because the right. fatal four-way was a tie. And then Finn lost it to Cross. Cross lost it to Joe. It was vacated, and now it's in Tommaso's hands where it belongs. So, so yes, yeah. that... Okay, yeah. Sorry, guys. We we kind we almost had it right. <laughs> I'm like, okay, wait. There's a whole time blank here. What are we missing? <laughs> right? I was like, wait, hold on. Um... But yes, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, honestly, in, in the history of... What the fuck is that? Oh my god. What? I'm oh, sorry. Ricochet just did, like, a weird little, like, dance thing. 
kind of like almost like how Dean used to do, like where he'd do that like weird wiggle thing. Oh lord! Ricochet just randomly did that, and it looked so awkward. Sorry. <laughs> um. But uh, but back to the uh the the new XT and all that. Um. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't feel like the booking for the NXT title actually like and people. This is obviously subjective. I feel like the booking for the NXT title has actually always been pretty solid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there have been a few also, where I'm like... Well, this is probably where we're going to differ, and it's because you're a fan of Tommaso and Johnny. Like, I for love me, it became, it became tiresome because it just seemed like it was always them. And then after it wasn't them, it seemed like it was still a lot of the same people. So, like, when Finn had it, it was like Pete, Kyle, Adam, and they kept running those matches it just was repetitive it wasn't that it wasn't good or that those people didn't deserve it it was just repetitive and then the people like people were big on kyle people were big on pete and it they just didn't pull the trigger with either of them when it would have been a good t- time to do that i and mean they wanted to do it at all you know it's hard for me to like it's hard for me to really say anything because i feel like it all worked out for the best like at the end of the day because I don't I love Kyle I love Pete they're both wonderful but I do not think you could have put them where Tommaso is now and it would have worked it would not have been this whole he is putting over the young people because they would want Pete and Kyle to be a part of the young people you know what I mean? Right. Because they hit, like, I have no idea how old either of them are, but. Pete is really young. Isn't he? Pete like, is probably, he's probably. Like, isn't Kyle in his real. 30s and Pete is maybe, like, just turning 30? No, Pete is, like, 26. God, is he? Let me check. Oh, God. I, Am Pete, I the I same age God, as Pete Dunn? I'm going to be bothered by that for the rest of my life. Um, but 28. I was close. He's 28. 28. Okay. So he's two years older than me. Wow. I could have gone to school with him. <laughs> but, um, but I just don't feel like either of them would have been able to fulfill the role that I think the new NXT really needed. And again, people can bitch about it all they want. But the NXT champion for the initial period here when they're just getting everything you know settled because i mean even look at the women's champion right now the current women's champion is mandy rose she is not a new wrestler she is a very established character in wwe so even even their women's even their women's champion isn't a you know one of this new breed it's and i think that's a to tie that in what we were kind of talking about earlier but instead of it being about like winning and losing you know like i just think that's another one of those things that fans kind of get caught up on that they don't need to like it doesn't really matter how long someone's been around or how old they are this constant idea of oh we need to be putting over someone new at every waking moment like sometimes people just are not ready i'd much rather somebody like mandy be champion to guy because a lot of especially with nxt being in the spot that it is now where it's going back to being developmental and we're getting to learn and grow with these characters now Mm -hmm. you need somebody who is more established to be able to kind of 
guide them in that direction or be like the solid piece until you have somebody who's ready to be in that position. Um, like, I don't think that Gigi is somebody who could be the NXT Women's Champion right now. Mm-hmm. I think Gigi's a pretty good wrestler. Feel how you feel about her and her actions, behavior, etc. But like in the ring, she's really good. Does that mean she needs to be NXT Women's Champion right now? No, because you know, can she guide the division? I don't think she can, but Mandy can. Exactly, and that's you know how I feel about Tommaso. It's like, could Braun Breaker be champion? In the future, absolutely, and there it seems like they're trying to, you know, shoot that kid right towards that. But would that have been the right choice for this initial era? I just don't think it would have been. And also, the other thing about like, not to make this a praise Tommaso Chapa party like every single other day of my life is, um. But the reason that I think it also worked with him is because he had worked so, so, so incredibly hard to make such a big portion of his character about the title. It's the whole his, you know, Goldie being his one true love. Like, he had put so much effort into that being a big part of his character whereas no one else in that match for the title had that it made sense because then you could you could fall back on that he gave them something that they could fall back on and i just don't think a whole lot of other people did <laughs> which like but it does give them time you know the other thing about like the reason why you obviously because this is developmental and people can bitch about that all that like Actually, at the end of the day, can we all just be happy that it's not a fucking game show again? Oh my god. Sorry, this just came to me, but it related to what you were saying just now. <laughs> that person who was complaining about the girls in the, the ladder match being not experienced enough. Hello, it's developmental. How are they supposed to learn how to do shit if they don't do the shit? Right? You know what I mean? Like, how dare you d- complain? about the women in the match being like still developing wrestlers when the brand they are on is the developmental brand. And I think that was like one of my issues with NXP, NXT PWG, as my friends uh, and I like to call it, um, is that people lost sight of the fact that it was supposed to be a developmental brand. And we kind of like lost that, that experience of getting to learn and grow with these characters. Like, like somebody like Sasha Banks, you can literally see Sasha's evolution from the beginning to becoming who she is right now because she, you literally watched her develop that character from the beginning. As you well can see as it with Bayley. Alexa Bliss too, actually. Alexa Bliss as well. I don't even like her, but like, I agree. Um, even like where somebody she kind of like Sami Zayn. You said where's she at? Yeah. <laughs> I heard she was getting, she had some, I can't remember if it was a cosmetic surgery or if it was like she had a, like a minor injury or something like that. Yeah. But she's out for some reason related to that, I believe. Well, shoot. Get better soon, Alexa Bliss. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Man, yes, that was kind of like my rant right there. Literally, actually, hold on. Let's talk about Sami Zayn for a minute. 
Because I want to talk about the magic that NXT can produce. So, a while back, me and my parents, excuse me, were watching NXT basically from the start. Before we started moving on to uh, UFC. So we were watching it from very early on. We get to the point where Sami Zayn is in contention for the NXT title. And if you know me, you know I've never been a huge fan of Sami Zayn. I don't dislike him. I think he's a wonderful person. I appreciate the work that he does. NXT and Sami Zayn together, when he won the title, brought me to actual tears. I was crying. (laughs) Full on watching him win that title. And this happened like six years ago. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like... But that was when NXT was still very much developmental. So whenever I see people talk about, um, you know, just being detrimental towards this new, this new NXT, new XT as I call it, I just, I think about moments like that when it was developmental initially, and I'm like, what do you think can't happen here? Like, does that make sense? Like, do you think that you can't get these moments? That you can't get that real emotional connection? Because you can. I didn't like Sami Zayn that much going into watching that. And if anything made me a fan of Sami Zayn, it was that. It was watching him go through that developmental process of turning into Sami Zayn, turning into the NXT Mm -hmm. champion. And... I'm just like, do you think that you can't get that now? Do you think that people aren't going to genuinely connect to Braun Breaker and and find their way to him and be emotional when he does finally reach the top of the mountain? No, people are going to And I mean, that. like, look at how people have latched on to somebody like Tony D'Angelo. Like, that's somebody who easily could have been like, oh, that's like some hulky bullshit, like fuck that or whatever but people are genuinely clinging to this guy because he's genuinely good in the ring he's got a fun character that people genuinely enjoy and guarantee you it may not necessarily be the most emotional thing on the planet but when he does eventually win a title in nxt or the nxt championship or maybe even years down the line on the main roster when he wins something we're going to be able to all have that experience in that moment together to be like oh my gosh we literally remember seeing this guy for the first time and but, growing with him from that moment to like reaching that gold. Let's take it to a another superstar in, in NXT that I feel like I've seen that happen with uh this uh this young lady named Cora Jade, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I see quite a few people, quite a few young women. Very connected to her, very connected to the character that she's presenting and I think it's a disservice to them to act like people won't care when she accomplishes something. Like, again, it just, it just seems odd to me that people are acting like it being developmental somehow means that you won't have those stakes and you won't have that level of importance and emotional connection. Right. Because NXT being developmental was... 
I mean, people one had, of its best eras. People had that when it was FCW. You right. know what I mean? Like, you can't tell me people weren't connected to back in the day when Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins were first tangling. In fact, Seth said himself that like he believes like him and Dean's matches in FCW and that aspect that they brought to those matches was something that paved the way for NXT to become what it is today. And you cannot tell me FCW wasn't developed fucking mental. It, like, come on now. You're talking Roman Reigns before he even had his whole sleeve tattoo. Back when (laughs) he was Layaki. When he was Layaki, like, black, black shorts, like he's one of the New Japan Young Lions or something, like, completely who the fuck is this guy he, he probably didn't even know who he was at that point in time to now being literally the face of the company like that is developmental right there and i mean actually wasn't that where uh naomi started too yeah naomi started in fcw um she was also on the first season of nxt when it was a game show Ooh, yeah she was that was mm. yeah actually you know what's interesting? This is not really related to the topic at hand. But, if I'm not mistaken, they actually kind of told the story that they're telling with Sonya now. Of there being, like, real actual discrimination happening. Because I remember Naomi would constantly get screwed out of winning. I didn't watch the first season of NXT, so I would not be able to... Um verify that information but i mean shit maybe i imagine actually i don't think she was on the first season i think she was on the second or she was on the first women season with women yeah the first season with women because it was her aj lee and some other notable names that i cannot remember right now um but yeah, like a lot of people came from those very, very humble beginnings, the people who are like at the top of the company right now. And those things, like they will tell you out of their mouth, are what made them better performers and what got them to be who they and where they are today. And so I don't I don't think that there's anything wrong. I think that NXT being back at being developmental honestly makes it better. I feel like I say it every week and it's just because it's just such a strong feeling for me, but I genuinely just enjoy NXT. I think that there aren't many wrestling shows, be it SmackDown, Raw, AEW, that I can just sit there and watch and be like, wow, I just had so much fun watching all of that. But that's NXT for me. Like, I enjoy almost all the characters in some way, shape, or form. Like, I love Andre Chase. I think he's so fun. Um, Tony D'Angelo, even Ron Breaker. Um, The women division is a lot of fun right now. There's a lot of potential there lash legend is somebody else oh my gosh can i talk about her for a second because when she first got signed i immediately saw her and was like oh my god who is that she's tall i love her when and she did I've her moment waiting... with cameron grimes i was like oh yes 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 that was the first time she was ever on tv because i just was literally waiting on the moment for her to be on TV, and that was so cool. And I just knew whenever she got the chance, she was going to knock it out of the park because she just has, she kind of has it all. And I can see her being, like, one of the staples of the women's division once, well, I haven't seen her wrestle yet, obviously, but even if she sucks, I'm still going to gas her up. Which, actually, I'm excited. real quick, and maybe we can talk about this more in this next episode, but... So I got a mouthful of pizza. Uh, 
Lash Legend feels like part of a trend, a larger trend in WWE, to be more welcoming to black audiences. And I do feel like that's actually part of what they're trying to do with NXT. With Lashed, with, uh... Carmelo, Trick. Yes, uh, I was trying to remember uh, Carmelo's friend's name. (laughs) Uh, With Melo and Trick and all, and, you know, I think they have quite a few others, but, uh... And even, you know, that's what Hit Row was. Rest in peace, Hit Row. Pour one out. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it feels like that's part of a wider trend. Because I think that WWE in particular, I I don't know about other televised companies, um, is starting to realize that there is a very real um, consumer base that is black people (laughs) uh, that they have not yet capitalized on. Which, honestly... If it gets me more excellent performers like Carmelo, if it gets me more excellent characters uh, like Lash Legend, uh, I'm all for it. Like, that's good. They should be doing that. They should be reaching out to those communities. Let's see him start getting with the gay agenda next time. Uh, when when um, that kind of became a topic conversation and like I've seen some of the complaints about NXT 2.0, I had joked like, if you don't like NXT 2.0, then you don't like black people. Obviously, I'm being facetious <laughs> and saying that. But, like, to a degree, I feel like it's the truth because, like... First, you know, Seth Rollins so left. The show. <laughs> I feel like, to a degree, there's so much of the show that's dedicated to, like, black culture and, like, hip-hop culture. Absolutely. Um, with, with Hit Row. Even, like, the promo that Trick cut on Pete Dunne, like, a week ago, where... <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you're a bum, your mom's a bobblehead, and Pete was just standing there like, what the fuck are you saying to me right now? But it was just so enjoyable, because it, it feels good as a black person to see my my culture represented in wrestling, especially when, you know, r- black wrestlers aren't really getting the time of day at all in other promotions. <laughs> but there is so much, like not just talking about WWE, but there is so much amazing black talent right now. And we're we're going to talk Hold about Hold on, sorry, episode. real quick. <laughs> Jeff is, apparently Jeff Hardy is on SmackDown wearing an Ed shirt. That oh, feels yeah, like some is. psychological warfare. Yeah, he is. <laughs> sorry, continue. I was going to say something, but you were making a really good point at that point in time, so I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> But um, yeah, like I think that there's so much. This we're experiencing such a huge boom in black wrestling right now, and I'm happy that WWE is capitalizing on it. Um, and I can't say that they're doing a perfect job. Cough, cough, Bianca, Becky, but like it, it's there, and I appreciate it. Yeah, it uh. I mean, it, it, again, I actually, I, I joke about it. I would genuinely like to see some, you know, beyond Jake Atlas getting in, you know, queer inclusion, but I do think it's good that they've made these steps towards, because they're reaching out to a black audience, but it's not using stereotypes. You know what I mean? Because I feel like in the past, a lot of 
black uh, wrestling fans would end up latching onto characters who were kind of presented as stereotypes, like let's say Crime Time. Um, and I think it's for so long that was kind of the only option but now they're actually like trying to like i don't know maybe listen <laughs> to, to the right fans. that's and that's the real big difference is like they're not just listening to the fans but i think letting the performers lead the way like there is a way to be black not there's not a way to be black because they're black people are all different but the which that's going to be a very big part of the next episode because I have such a bone to pick with the wrestling community about that. But well, that's not the point. I think but like letting, exam- sorry, letting people be themselves because yeah. when you are naturally like, for example, Bianca. That's who like, I was going to say because she, she doesn't lie like, about herself. You know, she doesn't. And I remember there's moments in times where like Bianca, she has a lot of like black woman mannerisms, but it doesn't come off as her being a black woman stereotype because she's not doing it in a way that is unrealistic or that's like, like caricaturized. She's just being herself. And she has so much confidence with it too. Like there's never any little bit of like doubting herself, doubting who she is. Like she is presenting, obviously it is, you know, up to 11 because that's, how this functions wrestling um, yeah but it's never pre- like it never with her or with sasha banks like let's let's use sasha as an example here too neither of them ever feel like they're coming off as trying to be a certain way like right. they are Versus so comfortable like, even i mean example of like Brandy, for example, in which I'm this yeah. is not me trying to discredit Brandy Rhodes' blackness in any way, because that's not my job to decide who is and isn't black. But the reason people jumped on Brandy because of that promo is because we all know that Brandy, that's not her. She's not the person to be like, listen up, bitch, blah, 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 blah. Like that's not her. That's not who she is. Yeah. She's never been that. And so the moment she turned that on, especially within the context of her turning that on and who she was turning it on for. It was very fake, and it was very, like, it did feel offensive. Even though she is a black woman, it felt offensive because it was like, since when the fuck do you talk like that, bitch? Like, you know you don't fucking talk like that. (laughs) You know that's not you. And so, like, that's an example of, like, okay, I'm forcing it because I'm trying to put on this persona of, oh, my God, I'm a sassy black woman. And it's like, no, the fuck you're not. That's not you. Versus somebody like Bianca when she's like, girl, uh uh-uh, blah, 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 blah. It feels natural because, like, that's who she is. That's that's Bianca. That's Sasha. That's Naomi. That's Lash Legend. They're being on a character of who a black woman is. They're just being themselves. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, we we will have to talk about that more in the next episode just because... Mm-hmm. I feel like there's much more to expand on there. So much more to say. Um, but again, I feel actually now now that we're talking about specifically this in depth, I'm wondering how much of this uh, feeds into the backlash against new NXT. <laughs> Excuse me. You know what I mean? Because it is very clearly trying to cater more to black audiences i would say even to some degree whether or not they're gonna say it more to queer audiences um so i'm wondering how much of that is just 
how much of the backlash against it is just people being like, well, ew, we don't, we don't want something that black people are going to like. You know what I mean? That's why I said, if you don't like NXT 2.0, you don't like black people. Because it's kind of feeling (laughs) like if you don't like it, you probably don't like black people. (laughs) Cause it's just, cause like now that I think about it, I'm like, what what are people complaining about? You know what I mean? Like let's let's sit here and think about like what people what are people complaining about? They're complaining about the edginess. They're complaining about, uh, you know, I have actually seen quite a few people complain about Carmelo, which I find absurd. He seems like a lovely young man, um, and stuff like that. I've seen people complain about the women. I've seen, and I'm just like so. Everything you complain about either has something to do with Tommaso Ciampa being champion or minorities existing. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of funny when you remember when I said like that particular company had that pay-per-view and people are like, this is the best pay-per-view of all time. And it was a pay-per-view that had no black people on it, basically. Yeah, no, very that? little people of color, very little diversity at all. And they were like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And then you have something that is like very diverse and representing so many different cultures, black but... culture, Asian cultures, Latino cultures. Wait, hold on. Do you remember? I distinctly remember seeing this after. And again, we are talking about that, that other company, people praising the shit out of Brandy. For her promo on on Jade, and I remember, I'm like, there was a person (laughs) when black people were saying, "Why the fuck is she talking like that?" This white person said, "It's called code switching," as if black people don't know what code switching (laughs) is. Dude, (laughs) like, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen that meme of like? It's like a stock photo of a mom taking away a box of toys from her kids, and there's usually, like, words like gaslighting in there. I think we need to take code switching away from the children. Yes, because it's like, (laughs) you don't understand, like, okay, yeah, you could say she was code switching, but it's only code switching if she actually fucking talked like that, which she doesn't. Right, (laughs) I refuse to believe. And I'm sorry, I am a white person. I'm kind of, like... I'm so, I speak like that more than she does. Like, she sounded like, you know what she sounded like? She sounded like one of those white kids on TikTok who use AAVE to, like, be funny. Or, like, they're, those, those white kids who, like, talk like that, but they don't actually talk like that. They're yes. just copying words they saw on the internet because they don't understand that AAVE, like, actually has its own grammatical rules and stuff like that. They're just regurgitating words. That's how, that's how she sounded like fucking Starfire from Teen Titans. <laughs> Like, it was just, I remember it being, because, obviously, I do not watch the AEWs regularly. The only thing I have any interest over there in is watching Kenny Omega's ass and titties. So, I'm just, like, I don't watch it regularly, but I remember when that came out. I remember seeing a video of it, and I was like, I'm not going to watch that. But I was like, everybody's talking about it, it's everywhere, and I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll watch it. And so I did, and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they let this happen. Like, <laughs> they let that happen. They let that go through. They let her do that. And I mean, I'm pretty sure I talked about it in the AEW episode. Everybody knows my issues with Brandy Rhodes. 
Excuse me. Um, but that moment in particular, I was like, it... Especially paired with Cody's fucking uber-patriot shit. I was like, we all understand the vibes that are reeking right now, right? Sorry, can I press pause real quick? Yeah. <laughs> Did they just have Ref Aja, of all people, fast count on Naomi? Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm so upset at that! <laughs> we got a lot to talk about in this next episode, folks. Oh, you know what? Okay, moving on. Back to you were saying sorry. <laughs> I was just saying, like, I, like, when it comes to, like, Brandy's approach to things and then Cody's character that he portrays, we all do understand what this feels like, right? Like, maybe, like, is is it racist of me to say that? But, like, we all know what this feels like. <laughs> right? Like, I'm not crazy. Because <laughs> there's a very certain are we, feeling. Are you talking Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, sorry, I think you cut out there for just a second. But just in in the grander I'm... in the grander scheme of things, I don't ever get those vibes from people in a in, in NXT. You know, I don't get those that feel in, in the new NXT especially, like I don't feel like Carmelo is putting on a performance. I feel like he's doing the up to eleven thing. That, you know, I, everybody does. Um, but it doesn't feel like he's, like, putting on a performance of what he thinks certain people will want to see. He's doing the up to 11 thing, which is normal. I mean, that's what Tommaso does. Tommaso's whole thing is just him going up to 11. Johnny Gargano, it's the same thing. That's how you become successful. So... Like, I mean, Mandy Rose, let's, you know, get into the, the women's division examples. Uh, her, Gigi Dolan, uh, the nice young lady whose name escapes me, <laughs> who is the third part of that? Stacey Jane. That one. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it doesn't feel like they're, it just doesn't feel like they're putting on that performance. It feels like they're trying to really connect with this character that they're portraying and i appreciate that i that's what i want Which, you know what i mean like I unless you were really cool too i was gonna say i think that's really cool too in nxt 2.0 because a lot of the characters are so over the top but there is that kind of sense of like oh yeah this person might just actually kind of be like this a little bit like yeah you know like tony i keep mentioning tony d'angelo can you tell I as we him? should because Tony's <laughs> amazing but like it's like you know he could easily just be playing this random italian character but like you go look on his instagram and it's like oh wait he's actually just like that right <laughs> so it makes the character more fun to watch because you can tell it's coming from a genuine place or it's coming from them you know it's something that they want to do it's not like something insane that they're being made to do mm -hmm. and like even And we haven't really seen this in NXG quite so much, but even when you have characters who are like the completely outlandish supernatural characters, like let's look at the most successful otherworldly character in the history of the sport, The Undertaker. 
even then, you have those little bits of turned up to 11 Mark Calloway. You know, there was always that genuine connection. And I feel like that's the kind of thing that they're trying to... Bring back. Oh, uh, cultivate. That's the word I want. Yeah. Cultivate with these new people in NXT. And I know... And this is this is a, a different criticism I see. A lot of people are like... They're not hiring independent wrestlers anymore. I see that a lot. They'll, like... Because, you know, obviously hiring... Uh, the... Fuck, what are their names? Uh, the Stevensons. They got the younger one of them. Um, the, yeah, both the Stevensons. Yeah. They got him. They got a bunch of uh, people who were like football players or amateur wrestlers and stuff like that. And I'm like, I honestly don't care. <laughs> really? Cause... Like, no, seriously. Who said it? Britt Baker. The other day I saw a headline from her where it was like, oh, that's the thing that's wrong with NXTs. They're hiring all these models and athletes instead of wrestlers. And I'm like, well, if you look at who are the top people in WWE right now and who are like actually doing well in creating a presence and mainstream success outside of WWE as well, it's Charlotte, Roman, Biggie, Bianca Belair were not independent wrestlers. They were all athletes who came into WWE because they were athletic, but they're good enough at what they do that they overcame all obstacles and they're the best wrestlers in the world right now. It's not about that. Wrestling isn't about where you come from. Wrestling about wrestling is about what you can do. Well, and actually, honestly, I do want to. That's why. Sorry if I can put my Britt Baker shade in real quick. <laughs> that's why Bianca Belair is the number one wrestler in the world right now and not Britt Baker. I mean, I want to expand on that in particular a little bit, because I'm going to use a metaphor here. So in MMA, UFC in particular, historically, a lot of the most successful athletes in the UFC have been people who excelled at amateur wrestling in particular, who then went on to learn other martial arts. Um... Because their experience with amateur wrestling gave them the base of what they needed for all of these other things. If you're a... If you excel at amateur wrestling, you're probably going to excel at Muay Thai. You're probably going to excel at uh, striking. And even if not, you can learn that. Um, You can... uh, It gives you a good base for jujitsu. So, in professional wrestling, at least in the modern era, a lot of the most successful professional wrestlers are people who were athletes. Not necessarily independent wrestlers who went to wrestling school and and did all that. I mean, people who were football players, people who were basketball, even people who were amateur wrestlers. Like, I mean, and we can take that back all the way. We take that that back to Kurt Angle. We take that back to Brock Lesnar. Those people who have that natural athleticism tend to be the most successful professional wrestlers. So, like, we see with Roman, like we see with Bianca. 
And again, there's also that, you know, more intangible personality quality that, uh, I guess people have just decided don't matter. Like, I'm not really (laughs) sure. Like, I'm not really sure where this came about, but everyone's like, you know, well, if you were an independent wrestler, clearly you had, like, I, I, I don't want it to come across as, as though I have something against indie wrestling. I don't. Uh, I, that sounded like I was lying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't have anything against independent wrestling. It's not my type of program that I like to watch consistently. All of the independent wrestling that I've seen, I just haven't really liked. And that's got nothing, like, unless it has someone who I actively liked beforehand, I love Timothy Thatcher's independent wrestling because I, I he, there's no way he can be bad. You know what I mean? I, I've i caught a couple of, of Kenny Omega's older, more independent matches. I enjoy them. Um, but for the most part, like, you can show me fucking uh, Kevin Steen, all you know the young bucks all that in the independence and i'm gonna be like oh god do i have to and it's not anything against them it's just it's not the kind of product that i enjoy consuming and that's what actually one of the reasons why i'm happy about nxt's new direction because i'm like oh thank god people who aren't gonna do that and again it's and again it 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 comes down to what you enjoy individually from wrestling. Do you like that independent wrestling style? Then you're probably not going to like this. Do you like that kind of TV, WWE style? Then you're probably going to like this a lot. And actually, I've, I've mentioned it on Twitter a couple of times recently because uh, it's come up recently. Part of the thing, and this is only slightly related to NXT... But it, it ties into the overall conversation because people are like, obviously this was prompted in large part by the uh, releases the other night. Because um, people are like, well, find alternatives. Don't support WWE anymore. And I'm like, okay, where? 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 I always hated that argument. Like, when I was talking about... um like black wrestling draws and all that and a lot of people responded saying like oh that's why i just stopped watching those companies and i just watch indie wrestling because there's so much black talent on indies i'm like yes there's a lot of black talent on indies there's a lot of lgbt talent on indies there's a lot of women on the indies who are really awesome right now but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't want there to be that content in the companies that we like you know what i mean yeah so like yes Turn to the indies, support the indies, all those like smaller companies. You should definitely support them if you can and you're interested in that. But like, don't take that as a reason to not expect better from the major companies. But I also, at the end of the day, they have the resources to make the best product possible. But I also, at the same time, I was like, excuse me, one of my points was. At the end of the day, WWE remains the most high-content, consistent, easily accessible wrestling production company. You know what I mean? Like, it... 
Well, like AEW is is close, I would say is closest. Um but it has the most saturation. It has three weekly shows. It has stuff like The Bump. It has, you know, back when it was still airing for many years, it had stuff like Total Divas and Total Bellas. It had, you can get on Peacock for, you know, what, like $10 a month. And not only do you have, like, 40 years of WWE content, and then, like, another 20 years of WCW content. But you have a ton of other stuff that they also present on Peacock. So it's just, it's the most easily accessible one. And, for better or worse, a lot of independent promotions are just not that accessible to most people. They're accessible to people who can buy tickets to the shows. They're accessible to people who can afford those little, like... Uh, whatever that weird streaming service that Impact is on, not that Impact is an independent promotion, but you know what I mean. Um, cause I, I mean, honestly, I can't find that many, like, independent matches on YouTube that aren't just from some random motherfucker who recorded it ten years ago. So, yes, I do, I would like for people to get more into independent wrestling or even stuff like New Japan, stuff like Stardom, stuff like DDT. All that. It would be great if people could get into those more, but those have to be accessible to people before that can happen. People like WWE because it's there and because it's also been there since, like, 1989. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's easily accessible. If you have cable, you have WWE three times a week. If you have Peacock, you have years and years and years of WWE content and new and updating WWE content. You can't say that about all these little independent promotions. And yes, in a perfect world, those would all be accessible or there would be enough people supporting them one way or another that it didn't matter. But that's just not the world we live in. (laughs) So it's frustrating when people are like, you know... Go support the indies and stuff. And I'm like, okay, how? Can you point me to where I can find them? Or is my only option going and seeing them in person? Which, can I remind y'all, still a plague. Like, <laughs> still a yeah. plague. So it's it's just frustrating when people are like, stop supporting WWE and start supporting all these independent promotions. In part, because let's put on our socialist hats none of those promotions care about their employees. Like, can we, Dude. like, let's just all get over that now. None of I them care. I said that last night, too, like, with Taya's tweet, and I don't want anybody to take it as, like, I'm saying she can't be upset. Her husband did just get fired. She also just got fired. It's not about that. It's about what she said being completely and utterly nonsense and ridiculous to say, like, morally speaking you should not watch wwe because every wrestling promotion is one in the same including the indies even if you were to say like screw all these major promotions i'm only going to watch indies you've got indie promoters who are straight up not even paying the people who are driving hours to come work on their shows sometimes um they're screwing people over like that not saying it's a good thing or that it's acceptable but that is the nature of the wrestling there is not a single wrestling company that you can in good conscience stand behind like 100% morally maybe except WXW 
I mean, awesome. I mean, I wouldn't even say them. There's always yeah. something. Because, There's like, something. also, it comes down to the fact that, like, they are employers, and under capitalism, those employers are just there to make money off of the bodies and labor of their employees. It is nothing more than that. And the other thing that pissed me off, and I wasn't trying to name her by, you know, name or anything, but the other thing that pissed me off about Taya's tweet was that, and and I loved her before last night, but this shit literally ruined her for me because I was like, are you fucking serious? Because I'm just like, where did everyone get it into their ideas? Get it into their heads that employers are supposed to care. Like, this is our, you know, every two episodes we talk about the evils of capitalism segment. But literally, when did people start thinking that employers were supposed to care? That they're supposed to think of you as a family? That they're supposed to give a shit about you? That's not what they're there for. They're there to make money off of you. That is it. It is nothing more complicated than that. It is nothing simpler than that. That is the point. That is why they exist. It's why WWE exists. It's why AEW exists. It's why Impact exists. That is literally their only goal is to make money. It's not even to put out wrestling out into the world. Wrestling is the product that they have decided to make. But it is just about making money. And they don't care about the people involved. That's not the point. It will never be the point. It's not Walmart doesn't care about its employees uh costco doesn't give a shit fucking literally any business that you can think of wells fargo i can guarantee you does not give a shit i'll tell you right and in fact i'll go as further to say any job i've ever had where they're like we're actually like a little family has been the worst place i've ever fucking worked oh absolutely (laughs) because those are usually the people who are trying to not only exploit you but pull the wool over your eyes and manipulate you into thinking that you're not being exploited and you are being exploited no matter what you can have the only time you're not being exploited is when you are at the very elon musk level top that is it because then you are the ones doing the exploiting (laughs) we go on a lot of like socialist rants on this podcast well we wouldn't have to if capitalism (laughs) wasn't a fucking monstrous nightmare that we all are stuck under or at the very least, people could comprehend the most basic fact about, like, that capitalism. Just understanding it. That's why, like, I was kind of ranting to somebody else yesterday about TSP because it really annoyed me. And I was like, oh my fucking god, read a book. And that might be a little bit elitist to say, <laughs> but, like, up, how do you lack critical thinking skills that hard that you can't come to that conclusion? I don't know what that is. Yeah, no, it's, I wouldn't even say it's elitist either, because they're, like, that's another thing, like, the fact, well, I mean, it's not elitist to say to somebody like that, because she is a white woman with privilege and internet access in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ 2021, (laughs) so, like, there is a point where it becomes your responsibility to figure those things out, but it just, and, like, and that was another one. Like, I was sad when she got released. I was, genuinely, because I really enjoyed her. I enjoy her work in Impact. Uh, her, she was, she was one half of the first ever match in Impact history that was between two women for the world title. 
that's important. That shit is big. That shit is something we should talk about. But she decided that she was going to go act like that when when people were getting released when she was getting signed where it wasn't a big deal, apparently. And I'm like, and I said this to you in, in, in the chat. I said it on Twitter. Speak with your whole fucking chest or shut the fuck up. Yeah. Your, exactly. Your principles should not be hidden by your job. Okay? I don't care if it gets you fired. If that's something you're passionate about, speak the fuck up. Or forever hold your fucking peace. You don't get to just pick and choose and be mad when it affects you personally. Either it's a principle or it's hypocrisy. And that's it. Sorry. I'm... I no, I wholeheartedly agree. And I actually quite like Taya as well before. And I don't want to say that this makes me, like, dislike her, but this does definitely make me... It sets off my radar. Of, like, the thing, okay, like... There's something not right about that. Because, to me, it comes out very disingenuous. When you were... And I pointed this out. This is when it first stuck out to me. And then that tweet was kind of the nail in the coffin for me. Was the thing about her name. When people were complaining about her name being changed, she was like defending it, like, no, I picked my name, blah, blah, blah. It's fine. I wanted to change my name. It's okay. And the minute she left, she was, yes, I get to be Taya again. And to me, like, that set off kind of this, like, thing of, like, okay, yeah, there's something very disingenuous about you and that you're going to clearly flip the script because, again, you're right to be upset about getting fired. No one wants to be fired. I'd be pretty pissed if I got fired from my job. Um, but, you know, it just felt very fake to me. And also, just want to say, like, completely off topic, but kind of on topic. Whenever fans complain about the names changing in NXT, it always makes me laugh. Because they, that's, I, and I know this for a fact. This is a real fact. This is not something I'm speculating on. They have the choice to change their name. Um, and if they do decide to change their name, they get to choose what their name is. I don't think that's a secret, but I don't think people realize that that is the case. Well, so it's just funny to me to see some to see some of them like complain about it. Maybe like, oh, like my name had to change. Like you pick the fucking name. Like stop being a weirdo. I, if anybody who has ever listened to this knows anything about me, it is that I do not like two faced bullshit. Hmm. I don't like hypocrites. I I never have. It's one of the reasons why I'll sit here. I'll sit here and I'll say I'm a fan of, you know, Tito Ortiz, because at least the motherfucker is straight up with you. Brock Lesnar, at least he's straight up with you. You know? Like, yes, are they, do they have shitty-ass beliefs? Yes, we talked about this in an episode. But Jesus Christ, at least they're honest. Like, I want you to be honest with me. And that's one of the things that pissed me off about that last night. I was like, this is... As you said, disingenuous. It's two-faced bullshit, and I just don't like that. And it's just, like... It's one of the reasons, like, of all the many, many things that pisses me off about the Jay Lethal situation. <laughs> he posted a tweet about being on AEW, and it was like, you know, when you treat people with respect, and all that, I'm like, you absolute fucking cockwad. I don't think you get to tell anybody about treating other people with respect. That's what I'm saying! Just <laughs> I was, saying. I was like, when I first read it, I was like, this dude's fucking serious. 
this dude is literally talking about how if you treat everyone with respect and, you know, aren't an asshole, then you get places in life. And I'm like, dude, do you not remember the extortion? <laughs> but it's just like, that's that's one of those things that just makes me, and, and you know, obviously what Taya did isn't nearly as, you know, egregious as, as all that, but... Oh, which, boy, I feel like we're going to have to talk about a little something about that boy uh, in this next episode. Um, about Jay Lethal? Oh, yes. I don't um, know if we can talk about Jay Lethal in the Black Wrestlers episode, because Jay Lethal isn't a Black wrestler. I know I said earlier it's not my place to determine who is Black from not, but it is my place to determine that Jay Lethal isn't Black. <laughs> Has the council decided? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> But I, I, either way, and it's just, you know, I didn't intend to talk about the releases too much in this episode, just because uh, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that my opinion of the WWE releases, the NXT releases, what have you, always boils down to it's like dying in Dragon Ball Z, it doesn't matter and none of you should care. Beyond the general sympathy of yeah, sucks when somebody loses their job. Beyond that, you shouldn't care. But that's, you know, my perspective. I don't want to go saying that that's how everybody should think. Um, Honestly, I think for me, I've kind of reached a point where I'm, like, burned out with being upset about it. And then, two, like, I think seeing how Oni reacted to being released kind of changed my perspective on things. Because I was really upset that they released him. I was like, God damn it, because I love him and I want him to be on WWE where I can see him easily. Um, but, like, I felt like he didn't really care and he was just kind of vibing and making jokes about it and doing his thing. And I was like, okay, well, if he's not going to be angry, upset, and crying, then neither should I. And I mean, then that's I realized, what I, like, oh, yeah. That's what I liked about uh, Shane Thorne's reaction. Um, yeah, same. Because he was just, like, he made a couple of jokes and then he was, like, you know, like, uh bummed out but it's it you know it was a good time i had a good i had a good run i made good money and i'm happy and yeah. he's still making jokes he was like oh shit i have to learn how to wrestle again um which is just objectively funny <laughs> but uh but uh it's just like even maya yim i unfollowed her yesterday because she posted something and i was like dude get over it like <laughs> But I'm I'm also just because I'm just sitting here and I was thinking about this the other day too. I was like, really, who in particular has had some kind of like horrible career downfall after being released from the WWE? Like, did John Moxley have a horrible career downfall after leaving? He, he didn't get released though. <laughs> But you know what I mean. But you, yeah, the point. But I mean, did did Buddy Murphy had a horrible career downfall after leaving WWE? Did the Iconics have a horrible career downfall after leaving WWE? You know. You know what? You know what I want to say. Ray Wyatt's really in a fucking movie. movie. Period. <laughs> um, a good example of that is. And the best example, in my opinion, is Deanna Perazzo. And a lot of people take that as like, oh my god, WWE missed out on Deanna Perazzo. I don't agree with that. 
I think that sometimes people are just a better fit for other places. Take Conti as another example. Um, I think she was never going to surpass what she did in NXT because she was in a division with women like Bianca Belair who were just going to outshine her no matter what. Io Shirai. She's doing, she's better fit for a place like AEW where she can kind of stand out a little more because she's not surrounded by insanely large personalities. The same thing with Deanna Perazzo. She's doing really good work right now for where she is. That doesn't mean that Triple H messed up or missed anything with her. She's doing well for where she is, and that's fine. Sorry, I'm still grumpy about that. I don't know how many of our listeners keep up with Impact, but I try to keep up with Impact as much as possible, and uh, I think mistake. Oh, she dropped the title. Yeah, I forgot. To Mickey James, of all people. Um, Which, I want to say, I love Mickey James to death, and I'm, I'm happy for her, but I think it's super ironic that when a WWE, somebody of Mickey's age or caliber when something it's like this huge issue of oh my god they're not putting over new stars but when she does it elsewhere or even when she was released it was like oh my fucking god i can't believe they released mickey james you know but then you also have these same people who are sitting here like the average age of a wwe superstar is 43 years old or whatever like what do you guys even want at this point also 43 is not old like Randy Couture won his won the light heavyweight championship over Tito Ortiz when he was like forty one. Like it's not you're not old when you're in your forties. <laughs> I'm so, like you're even just in not. wrestling context, like or or two two like thirties. People are like say like late thirties and they're gonna call people old. Like that's not old. <laughs> Oh, but they never call Kenny Omega old. He's right. never too so old. So clearly shows you that there's a double standard there. And this is coming again. That's coming from someone who likes Kenny. I'm a fan of Tyson, which also, just saying, I you know, I hope he's having a nice day. Considering, I hope he's having a horrible day. All of what's I'm trying to be nice to him because he's got ouchies right now. <laughs> I don't listen to her the official position of sweet talk is that we hope that he is having a nice day so, but uh man this is supposed to be on NXT and I feel like we kind of ended up covering like every possible thing <laughs> this is more or less like an overview like this is like what NXT and then like what's been going on in wrestling this week which honestly, like, isn't a terrible uh, direction for it to go. Honestly, yeah. I'm two thirds of the way through forty ounces, so I mean, it, it was bound to get a little off about track. To wrestle? <laughs> um, but I mean, it. I feel like honestly, a lot of the things that have been going on in wrestling recently can relate to the issues that people are having with NXT. Because, I mean, people, mm-hmm. you know, they talk about even the the more, uh, I would say small scale just because of how it's been approached. The small scale issue of like, well, you know, they hired Jay Lethal, which many people take issue with. But, you know, when they finally released Velveteen Dream, 
it was like, oh, too little, too late. And it's like, you guys want something that you can't get. You want perfect actions out of a company that just is never going to give them to you. You want perfect stories and perfect characters out of a company that's just never going to give them to you. And it honestly all comes down to the fact that the fans just well and truly either do not know what they want or just want to be dicks. Not to go on another tangent because I know we're about to wrap, but (laughs) speaking of that and like the releases, I went on a large rant about this last night on Twitter as well, but it really, really, really pissed me off to no end that people were like, making it seem like these releases are the worst thing WWE like anybody could be doing right now. People were literally like, see, this is why you need to be watching AEW instead of WWE because they're releasing people. I know a I literally saw a tweet that said I know AEW has its faults, but at least they're not doing this. And I'm like, are you guys forgetting that the faults are like literally putting a guy with sexual assault allegations in the main event? And I'm not saying WWE is any better because they do shit like that too. But are you gonna seriously sit here and tell me with a straight face that doing that is not as bad as releases? Like Firing people is a normal part of running a company. Well, because you don't also, have to put that guy in the main event. Can I just say, like, because they also people talk about, you know, uh, Bronson Reed, Adam Cole, Killer Cross, and they're like, oh, they're being wasted in WWE. They're being, you know, they're not being used to their full potential. And then when they get released, it's the end of the fucking world. Like, and then. And then on top of that, and I know we just had a conversation about, like, the indies not completely being accessible to people. But also, like, if you really, really care about those wrestlers that much, then you can keep up with them. Like, Bronson Reed, literally while all that was going on, he debuted at New Japan. Yeah. And no one fucking talked about it. And yet everybody was up in arms when he got released because, oh my god, so much wasted potential. No one talked about about Buddy fighting Okada. No one talked about that was also happening. And I'm like, this is a big deal. Like, I was sitting there freaking out. I was like, God! I was like, guys, this is a big deal. And it it feels so performative. And, like, not to tell people what to be upset about, but, like, even to, like, Drake Maverick. I said this to someone, like, tell me the last time Drake Maverick did anything that you were checking for. And I said that as somebody who quite likes Drake Maverick. And I was pretty upset the first time he got released. Um, but, like, are you going to seriously sit here and tell me that WWE's missing out by releasing Drake Maverick? I feel bad for him, obviously. And I actually really do like him. I wish they wouldn't have released him. But, like, are we really going to sit here and pretend that that's the end of the world right now? It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I, and yeah, I mean, I mean, you know me. I'm, I try to be very careful about things I say, about things I do, because I care about how other people feel, and I, I care about how my actions impact others. We just had to talk about how I, I tend to keep a lot of stuff to myself on Twitter because I, I just don't want to risk hurting somebody's feelings so I'm very much in the camp of if you're going to be upset about this you should absolutely be upset and it's important for you to feel those emotions and I don't want to tell people or more for so long I didn't want to tell people that they shouldn't be upset by the releases 
But at one point, it really did just hit me, like... <sighs> these people aren't dead. Like, WWE did not take all of them to the back and old yeller them. You know? Like, they did not right. straight up murder these people. And none of these people went and retired. They... They're fine. They're still out there doing stuff. If you're so, so upset about them not being in WWE, then why aren't you talking about the stuff they're doing outside of WWE? Like, I, like I'm at the point where I'm like, Tim could get released tomorrow. And I would be like, okay, wonder what he's gonna do in 90 days. You know what I mean? Like, because if they're not retired and they're not dead... They're probably still going to keep wrestling. <laughs> and, and you can just watch them there. Because, like you said, like y'all are like, oh, they're not being used right. You didn't even want them in WWE in the first place. Now that they're gone, WWE's right? the worst people in the world for releasing them. Like, I'm waiting like, for the day that Ricochet gets released. Because oh, people are going to be like, oh, finally, he can go do what he's meant to do and I'm like y'all didn't care about him when he was in WWE why do you care now also I will say like and again we are we are gonna wrap in a few minutes but the one of the things that got me about Taya's comment and I think I actually did include this on my thread um as I screenshotted the uh uh, from Wikipedia, the section about Lucha Underground's legal issues where King Cuerno sued them <laughs> and a whole bunch of other people sued them because they were like, hey, this employer has treated us terribly. And I'm like, yeah, it's almost like Taya Valkyrie has experience working for places that don't give a shit. But I was trying not to be too mean. <laughs> so I didn't say what I wanted to say. But yeah, no. This, this, yeah, like I said, this episode has kind of gone off the rails. Just a scooch. <laughs> um, I'm dizzy. <laughs> Lightheaded. And everything is good. <laughs> I have no negative feelings about anything in the world other than the unflinching, undying fury that I feel about the Rittenhouse trial. Um, so everything's cool. We're good. We're, you know, we might as well wrap it here. Just because yeah. I feel like we've talked about enough for uh, 110 minutes, I guess. <laughs> so, song recommendation, match recommendation. Oh, I had an idea of what the match recommendation was going to be and then I forgot. Um, shit. You'd think I'd start preparing these. Right. You would think we would, like, <laughs> think ahead. Sorry, guys. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Um, there's not a lot of planning put into these episodes. I don't know if you guys yeah. figured that out yet. The most planning that has gone into one uh, recently was the Seth Rollins one. Because we were like, well, we should probably actually like figure out what we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> and I did take notes for our Crown Jewel review. I did not. I was just, I just watched it the day of and was like, I'll remember all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, other match recommendation. I'll I'll go first, and I'll I'll give you a, a minute to to figure out what you want to say. I'm gonna go ahead and actually just say uh uh the ladder match for the to crown the inaugural. I do not know how to say that word. Word. <laughs> Talking's hard. Uh, the ladder match to crown the inaugural 
uh, North American champion. Um, I, I forgot exactly which takeover it's on, but it, it's on a takeover way back in the day. Um, and it's just, you know, just a good-ass match. Either that or, alternatively, go back and find all of Ken Shamrock's matches. They were listed on Cage Side. Or, or no, Cage Match. I apologize. Uh, they were listed on Cage Match, if you would like to go find them and watch his matches and realize uh, just how excellent and revolutionary of a professional wrestler that he was and join my campaign to get Ken Shamrock in the WWE Hall of Fame in the class of 2022. Thank you. Uh, song recommendation. Ah, shit. What have I been listening to? Ooh, uh, Green Day came out with a new song. Uh, Holy Toledo. Uh, it's been getting me through shit, dude. I mean, Green Day is one of my two absolute favorite music things. <laughs> Groups, performances. I'm drinking tequila after this, so everybody get ready. <laughs> but, but yeah, Holy Toledo by Green Day. It's uh, they wrote it for a movie, I believe, and it just came out on the Destiel anniversary. So check that out if you get a chance. Stream it on YouTube. Then they probably have it on all those other music things that I don't use. Uh, and now for your match and song recommendation. I always like so for my my match <laughs> recommendation. I guess in this, I'm gonna do two in the spirit of Survivor Series. Go two ahead. of my favorite Survivor Series matches in recent year, uh, recent years. I'm gonna say Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey from oh. 2018. <laughs> um, I would say it was one of Ronda's better matches in WWE, and um, thank God for Nia Jax. <laughs> um. And then the other one is in also in the spirit of Survivor Series and also in the spirit of the Shield debut anniversary just passing. I'm gonna say the Shield versus New Day. Just a fun match, and I'm glad it happened because it was one of those like kind of dream matches for a long time. Um, I just remember and- Sorry, real quick. I just remember Roman talking about how, like, he did, like, an interview where he was, like, and Dean did the weird, like, flexing and, like, sticking out his tongue. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Around what are you doing? Okay. Get him! I'm not gonna start, but, like, I remember him, that interview, too, because he was, like, Dean was flexing a lot around that time. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, of course Roman would pick up on that. They're so dumb. Uh, and then I guess my song recommendation... She's been getting a lot of hate on social media recently. I promise she's a good singer. Um, I'm going to say Revenge by Mariah the Scientist. Yeah. I don't know anything about that, so I'm happy to just leave that as it is. (laughs) So, thank you everyone for sticking around to part one of uh, me getting hammered. (laughs) That's talking about wrestling. Tune in next time. Be safe, wear your masks, and go find some good-ass wrestling to watch. Be it in WWE or somewhere else. Go find some good-ass wrestling to watch that makes you happy. Uh, and remember, hashtag Kid Shamrock for the WWE Hall of Fame uh, 2022. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Uh, we will see you. We will see you next time. <laughs>